with a better sense of what God wants you, um, how God wants you to love your brother and your sister. Um, there were two farmers that had uh, race horses. Uh, they were kind of country racers. They weren't in the big races, but they had races nonetheless. And uh, one of the farmers who was in uh, direct competition and they were rivals, uh, one of the farmers went out and found what they call, he considered a professional jockey, went down to the big city and found himself a jockey and hired him and brought him in the next race. He had a professional jockey on his horse. Race started and they start running. And the jockey and, of course, the opponent of that farmer that hired him, they're neck and neck running as fast as they can. Something happened. The horses couldn't keep the pace that the jockeys wanted them to, to run at. They both tumble and fall, sending the riders both flying a little bit. Well, the professional rider jumped right back up, got on the horse, and finished the race by winning the race. And he looks over to the owner that hired him, and he sees him going absolute berserk. And, and so he's saying, man, this guy must be so thrilled. He takes his horse over to the stables, and the guys now he can see that he's furious. And he says, hey, what's wrong? He goes, you don't even know what you've done yet, do you? And he goes, well, I won the race. He says, well, you, when you fell down and you got back up, you got up on my rival's horse, and you won the horse on the wrong race. There are people that will walk into places like this, riding in a horse. Something might happen, and you end up finishing the race, winning the race, but it might not be in the same horse you came on. And I'm hoping that today, uh, through your time with us, and your continued, your continued search with God, how to love God and how to love your brother, that you end up somehow on the horse God wants for you, the horse of faith, the horse of love, the horse of compassion. Maybe not the horse of, of uh, distrust, pain, uh, sorrow. Those are losing horses. Amen? Um, I'm pleased that uh, you could all be here today, and I'm honored uh, to be able to speak with you about the value of what I would call true friendship. Um, Charles Swindle uh, makes this observation. The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is for fellowship that Christ wants the church to have. It's an imitation. It dispenses liquor instead of grace. It offers escape rather than reality. But it is a permissive, acceptive, and exclusive fellowship. It is uh, 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 unshockable. It is uh, uh, democratic. And you can tell people your secrets there. And in Boston, we all know a place called Cheers, where everybody knows. Oh, some of y'all remember that show. Um, I want us to, to kind of take a look back and uh, uh, consider Cain and Abel, and I'll be talking about their relationship in a moment. Uh, but before I do, I, I want to... Something happened to me a few years ago that really changed my life, and, and it was um, the loss of a brother, my younger brother. I'm the seventh of eight children, and our younger brother passed away a few years ago. And I never really understood loss. I had never lost anybody close to me. Uh, but now I understand it. Now I get it. Uh, I had consoled many a people that have lost family members. But having lost my own brother to a viral infection of the heart, I tell you, I miss him every day, and now I can truly sympathize. So much that a friend of mine lost a dog that was in their family for 13 years the other day, and I was like, your dog? Your 
Because, because once you know pain, boy, that, that you can relate to it so well. You can, you can almost see it in someone's face when they, when, even when they're walking by you on the street. That pain is, is, is visible, it's noticeable. And I share that story because I have a, a, a wonderful family. Um, God is our Heavenly Father, and we've got uh, the privilege of our earthly father being a pastor for 30 years. We grew up in the gospel. But this particular brother that I'm talking about uh, was, was a little bit wayward. He, he went and did some things that uh, dad would not have approved of. He experienced a life that um, perhaps uh, if dad had his way, he wouldn't have done it. All of us did a little bit of that. But I was his brother. And it was my responsibility, my job to love him, accept him unconditionally, love him through his toughest times and through his ugliest moments. It is a, God's intention that we would experience wonderful relationship. But good relationships don't just happen. They take great work. You have to work at your best relationships. You need to be intentional about being a good friend. You need to, you need to make up your mind to be a good person. You need to make up your mind on making your relationship with God grow. And uh, I consider that there's a visible church, and that's that church that you see, you come to, it's the kingdom of God uh, reigning in a place like this with four walls. There's, a, there's uh, singing and there's preaching and there's fellowship. The problem with that is that there's always hypocrites in the crowd. There are, and I don't mean that... Uh, 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 to really offend anyone, but the truth is not everybody that comes to church is Christian, and that's okay. Not everyone comes is a, that comes is a believer. And I'm not naive to believe that everyone that's here today has their best relationship with God on. Um, statistics show that uh, a lot of you here won't even be true believers. That's okay. Then there's the invisible church, the true church, the people that believe with a sincere heart and will sacrifice everything for the kingdom of God. They, they, they trust God through Jesus Christ for their salvation and for their lives. The true church is the church made up of people that um, have experienced spiritual renewal through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when two people that have those things in common uh, come in contact with each other, they fall in love in a very deep way. Uh, they, there's a bond that grows because they're experiencing the same kind of love. It's not a love for one another, per se. It's a love that they share for God. It's a joint love. It's a connection that, that joins you and me that, that kind of transcends language. It transcends skin color. It transcends all this other stuff because my love for God, when I see it in you, attracts me to you, and it should attract you to me. It, it should be that magnet that draws us closer. I'm attracted to people that love God. It's just natural because I love Him. And, and finding people that love Him makes me happy. I, I, I look for it. I want to talk about this relationship of, of these kinds of people. C.S. Lewis says, and I'm paraphrasing, if all we are doing is growing as people in the church, then all we are really doing is character building, not kingdom building. So, so we got to look a little bit beyond. There's another aspect, not so focused. Uh, th this is another aspect, and, and this aspect uh, uh, allows you not to just focus on yourself, but it pushes you outside of yourself, and it causes you to look at your brother and your sister, and not just how they're doing, but their true condition. 
I want to explore um, the first family, specifically uh, Cain and Abel. You know, a lot's been said about them, but, but, but since the ver- they were the first church, and since the very first church, there's always been a Cain and Abel at church. Cain's and Abel's. There are Cain's and there are Abel's. There are Cain's and there are Abel's. And they're here today. Saints and sinners sitting in the same crowd. Cain's come to church as often as Abel's do. They sing the same songs. They hear the same sermons. Heck, sometimes they even tithe and give offerings. But, but, but Cain is, is missing a commitment of his heart. They come so close to God and to the church, but they stay far personally. And God allows it. Jesus was preaching about the wheat and the weeds, and he told the story of a good man sowing good seed. He goes to sleep, and the enemy comes while he's sleeping, and he sows weeds amongst uh, his good seed. And, 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 and uh, the good man says, well, we thought you sowed good seeds, they said to the good man, and, and, and why are there weeds amongst the wheat? He says, the enemy came and he did this to me. He said, shall we tear out the wheat amongst the weeds? And the answer is given to them, no, let them grow together. And at harvest time, we shall separate the wheat and the weeds, and we'll burn the weeds from the wheat. In the church, you'll find some good people and some folks that are not so good. Good people need those bad people. Those bad people need those good people. And I hate to just put it in that general uh, uh, two classifications, but you'll bear with me as I, as I work this out. The good need the bad, and the bad need the good. The bad help the, the good get better. Because they tempt the good. Ever been tempted by somebody that's bad? Oh, come on. Anybody in here? Anybody ever been tempted by somebody? You're trying to do good, and all they want to do is, it's no big deal. Come on, I'm just like you. I go to church. I left my hands. I worship too. But what's the big deal? Come on. Let's, and, and, and we need them because if you're strong enough to, to, to overcome your temptation, you're going to get stronger in your relationship with Christ. But if nothing else, the bad are going to reveal your true condition, where you are in your walk with Christ. We need the bad. And the bad need the good. The bad need the good because we're going to present to them a moral code, a moral living, a right living that is not unattainable, but but in your skin you can present to them something that's realistic, something that's possible, a love that is that, that makes sense to them. I understand that not everybody's going to speak like a preacher. Not everybody's going to live like, like, like one of those big-time TV evangelists. But if, you, if they can see you live it, someone that is flawed but living the good life, someone that's, that's not perfect but seeking perfection in God, then maybe, just maybe, they can say, I can attain that. That's not something that I see up in the pulpit from a guy that doesn't speak the same language as me. He's always wearing suits and always speaking a language that I really can't get. In you, they'll see the real thing. Cain needs Abel. Abel needs Cain. Three points today. Abel could have been his brother's keeper. Second point I'm going to make is Cain could never have been his brother's keeper. And number three, God expects you to be your brother's keeper. Abel could have been his brother's keeper. I'll start with that. As we read the the, the text, we understand that that Abel missed it. Of all the talking that they do about Cain and Abel, we always uh, kind of 
beat up on old Cain for, for not giving the proper sacrifice and not being where he needed to be uh, in his relationship with God. But today I want to kind of focus on Abel because Abel gets high praise for having been uh, uh, accepted by God for his offerings. These are the people that are living right and they're doing right and they have their head so far up in heaven that they forget that their feet are on the ground. These are the people that are living for Christ, but they're living in a bubble. And they're not realizing Cain is in trouble. Abel is right there with them. They're the only two that went to church that day. Abel should have been able to notice that something was wrong with Cain. I submit to you that Cain was crying out through his offering. Abel should have noticed what was happening with Cain. My question is, what happened to Abel that he didn't? have the tough conversation with Cain? What happened to Abel that he didn't reach out to his brother when he saw that God corrected him, when he saw that God chastised him? Why didn't he come and say, listen, this is the way, we do, this is the way I do it. I was accepted perhaps because of this. And I, and I submit to you that a good brother, Cain uh, may, may not have been able to be that brother to Abel, but Abel certainly should have been able to be that for Cain. And for all the, the, the condemnation we throw Cain's way, we ought to look at Abel's behavior also. Abel certainly pleased God. But pleasing God is noticing your brother's condition also. How is it that Abel can come to church and please the Lord the way he did and not affect his brother's life? How is it that he was ignorant to his pain? Ignorant to his situation. All over this room there are Cain's and there are Abel's. There are people that are trying to do it right and there are people that are trying to do it wrong. My question to, to the Abel's today is are you noticing what's happening around you? I praise God that God is accepting your offering. It's a, it's a good thing that you're doing well, that your prayer life is growing and that you're getting to know God in a very deep and personal way. Praise God for that. But don't live so, so, so far into God that you don't realize that your brother who is standing next to you is in pain. And he needs somebody like Abel to put his arm around him. He needs his brother to step in and say, man, I love you. And I care about what's happening to you. I don't want to condemn Abel, but I certainly want to challenge him. Certainly Abel sought what was right before the Lord, and he should be praised for that. But I want to just look at Abel's behavior toward Cain. Cain could never have been his brother's keeper because he viewed Abel as his rival, not his brother. He was, he was competing against him. And he never really, you can never really love someone who you're competing against. And I know that the world is going to make you guys uh, sometimes compete for the same job. Maybe even at school, you'll, you'll be up for the same positions. And, 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 and there's no other word for it. You, you, end, up, you end up competing for, for jobs. Maybe you're competing for the same boy and same girl. The other night, Valerie and I went and saw a movie. Uh, last night we saw, what was the name of that movie? Uh, this Means War. Well, Reese Witherspoon, I think she's so cute. She has two guys from which to choose, and these two guys almost kill themselves over this girl. This spirit of competition is, 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 is exalted, and whoever wins, boy, all the prize goes to them. 
And it's no wonder that there's such a disconnect from us because while we can look at each other and, and appreciate one another's strength, in the end, somebody's strength is going to intimidate you because you don't see them as your brother, you're seeing them as your competition. Cain couldn't love Abel because he was his competition. And it's sad in life is to lose a brother, lose a friend, lose a friendship over this, this, when when a tear happens and it hurts good friends, my brother and I had a tear. The brother I told you about that passed away, we had a tear in our relationship. He did something that offended me so much that, that, that we got into a big fight. We didn't talk to each other for almost a year. And this, this is my little brother, but we were close. And it killed me every time we saw each other. And it was just a, a casual hello. It wasn't that brotherly love. Me, me and my brother, we kiss each other and hug each other. We're, 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 we're affectionate. We, we're, 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 we're big into that, that love thing. And for a while, it wasn't there. And it was on purpose because I was trying to be that able. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to support you. But your bad behavior, I cannot stand. You, you, can't, you can't just do that and not say sorry. I challenged him. I had the hard conversation with him. And we reconciled. His life got better. He ended up uh, 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 improving the quality of his life, his relationship with his wife and his children. All improved. And I want to say, in part, it was because Abel, me, this, in this situation, was able to challenge Cain in this, him in this situation. And he's been able before for me. It's a, it's a, it's a switching uh, position. Uh, but, but in that situation, he was able to learn from what I was trying to teach him. It hurt both of us, but we didn't let the tear divide us forever because he's my brother. He's passed. He's gone to heaven. And now I can say, I feel good about the conversation we had because he didn't go with the Lord. He didn't die before I challenged him. It's not always easy to challenge. It's not always easy to stand up for right. They'll call you names. They'll look at you funny. But in the end, Abel's got to be able all the way through. Not just good toward God, but good toward Cain. Amen? Want to know why God, when he goes to Cain, he starts asking him, Cain, what did you do? Where's your brother? He asks him the question, where is your brother? Because God is love. And you have to understand this. Whether you're Cain today or whether you're Abel, God is love. And God is always going to look for a way to reconcile his relationship with you. He wasn't, he wasn't judging Cain. He was giving Cain a chance to repent. He was offering Cain a chance to, to make things right. Where is your brother? What has happened? I love God because God is always going to reach both Cain and Abel. God is always going to reach up. Listen, even though Cain messed up, God was still talking to him. God is a God of love. In the event that you don't know the, the details of the story, uh, Cain gets so jealous, so angry at his rival, his brother, he kills him. This is when God comes back to him and asks him, what have you done with your brother? Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And everybody knows that great phrase, am I my brother's keeper? I didn't create him, you did. God expects us, number three, God expects you to be your brother's keeper. And I'm closing. This is where we are missing it. And Christianity is not about songs and sermons. And it's not about... Uh, singing in choirs or singing in groups. Christianity, I think the best, uh, my best uh, description of it is being somebody's brother, being somebody's sister, loving someone. 
understanding, trying to reach out to your fellow man and loving them with the love of Christ. By this all men shall know that ye are my disciples, when you love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. The last words of Jesus Christ, strictly required, but generally ignored. Love one another. Strictly required, but generally ignored. Love one another. Is it easy? No. You have challenges. Your schedule will tell you that you don't have time to love that way. Your schedule will tell you, no, I, I can't get into people's life. They don't want me to get involved in their life that way. Will there be oppositions? The gates of hell themselves will rise up against you. Loving somebody isn't easy. Being a good brother and being a good sister, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Is it worth it? Absolutely, yes. We've got the word right where they need us. I don't regret the relationship that I had with my youngest brother because I was able to share my care, my love for him. And today, there are people in this room that are here partly because it's required of them, but partly because they want to be here. They want to experience God. But the evidence so far hasn't panned out. They haven't seen enough yet to believe. Maybe a Cain needs an Abel. Not to challenge them in the way of competition, but to love them. I submit to you this morning that what God wants us to do is to love one another more than anything else. The best version of me is the version that loves my wife, loves my children, is a good friend to my friends, and even my enemies. I learn how to love. Bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, talked this pretty simple, straightforward message this morning. But a message, Lord God, that I hope that it resonates in the hearts of these young people. We need you, God. The Cains and the Abels. We need you, Lord. But this morning, I want to speak to the heart of the Abels.